Let's talk corruption with VT's incredible Mark Dankoff right here, right now on VT Radio. Let's go with host Johnny Punish. Okay, and we're back on VT Radio with the incredible Mark Dankoff hiding out in his lair in somewhere in San Antonio, Texas at some is it a Russian, uh, 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 what is it? A, uh, let me look down there. I can't see. Is that a basement down there? What is that? Uh, uh, what You mean where, uh, where I'm uh, where seated? Yes. That's, this is kind of like my uh, library and radio studio, and I'm uh, sorting a lot of junk in here from other parts in the house that's got to get thrown out. <laughs> so <laughs> gotcha. i got all kinds of things going on here. So. Gotcha. Well, today, Mark, I want to talk to you about corruption. You know, I have friends in the United States on the right and friends on the left, and a lot of them in the middle, and each one says the other guy is corrupt. If I talk to right-wingers, uh, the left is so corrupt, uh, and then if I talk to left-wingers, oh, God, the right is so corrupt. And I've come to the conclusion that we've been divided as a nation, uh, in the United States at least, and I think what's really corrupt is a system. Now, in my view, the system is just completely corrupted by money on every side. And I actually like what Donald Trump said a long time ago, he says, I bribed the Democrats and I bribed the Republicans. At least he was honest about that, you know. Um, So what's your feeling about corruption in the United States? Is the left the only corrupt people? Is this Hunter Biden's corrupt or he's the only guy or is it Jared Kushner's corrupt or the Congress is corrupt, Supreme Court? What's your opinion about this corruption thing in the United States? Well, I think it's absolutely epidemic on all sides. Now, of course, the most obvious and most egregious example of this uh, is the Hunter Biden laptop case uh, and the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden link to Burisma in uh, in Ukraine, subsequent to the senior Biden's uh, participation, along with Victoria Nuland and Robert Kagan uh, and uh, and. Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama in an illegal coup d'etat in in uh, Kiev in February of 2014, uh, because this has implications, of course, for what could well turn out to be uh, a, a global war uh, involving the United States against both Putin's Russia and China and uh, and Iran. So, in this particular case, the Hunter Biden story has gross implications not only for what was clearly the deep state's interference in the the 2020 uh, election uh, by suppressing the New York Post expose on Hunter Biden, but also these 51 deep state figures that are uh, well known to the public that follows the news at all, uh, who went public and said that this was all Russian disinformation. That's since been totally disproven. Uh, it's proven that uh, all of what's in that laptop is apparently genuine. And then, of course, you have a situation here uh, where the uh, the Merritt uh, Garland D- uh, Department of Justice uh, is investigating Donald Trump uh, on issues of mishandling of classified information uh, at the same time that to Hillary Clinton's use of an of a uh, of an unsecure personal laptop uh, to receive and to transmit all kinds of uh, classified documents uh, was not prosecuted. So you look at this situation. I think the the Biden Biden situation with uh, with Ukraine and with Burisma. 
uh, is the most egregious because this is something uh, that uh, could very easily involve this country in a third world war. So I think certainly uh, in terms of seriousness, uh, I don't think it necessarily has to be a a partisan issue uh, to say that uh, the issue of uh, Hunter and Joe Biden has implications uh, that for its endangering the, the general welfare of the American people not simply in terms of ghastly sums of money poured into uh, Zelensky's regime in Ukraine, certainly one of the most corrupt in the world. All of these things that keep emerging prove that, uh, including this uh, uh, ex-Ukrainian uh, official who came out in RT a couple of days ago, who has been very much involved uh, to, the, to the tune of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in corruption that have involved Western arms dealers. Uh, the list just goes on and on. But certainly it would be unfair to say that the only problem with corruption is in the Biden administration, although I think they are the most serious case because of the international implications of all of this, the national security implications of all of this. Uh, but clearly, when you look at Donald Trump uh, and, uh, and, and all of the things that have swirled around him for many years uh, and all these things going on with Jared Kushner, for example, uh, and the situation that, that confronts us in both both political parties and both houses of Congress uh, with all of this uh, incredible PAC money uh, that comes into these people uh, from all kinds of Israeli-affiliated PACs and PACs that are affiliated with uh, various elements in the, uh, in the armaments industry, the banking and insurance industry, and so forth and so on. It's uh, basically a pay-for-play scheme in both of the major political parties. And this is why I think to some extent uh, the Robert F. Kennedy candidacy has had some uh, some uh, particular appeal uh, to to disaffected Democrats and Republicans and independents uh, who are looking for someone uh, who ideologically may be far from perfect, uh, but is is perceived to generally be honest because he has his own money, his family has a truckload of money, uh, and Kennedy has never been uh, seriously accused uh, of uh, of anything involving uh, personal misconduct uh, of the kind that seems to be fairly routine among the last few presidents that we've had, as well as some of the big wigs in both of the major political parties. Right. Now, Kennedy, RFK Jr., he sure seems to be marginalized by the mainstream media. Is that correct? I think that's very correct. Ron Unz has a uh, has a, an extended article today on this whole issue, issue of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, and his threat to the establishment. Uh, I believe that to be true. Uh, and yet at the same time, I think that uh, Kennedy is making two fundamental mistakes uh, that, are, that, that are reflected in the way that he was covered by Unz today. Uh, I have repeatedly insisted that the best campaign strategy for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is not to uh, depart from the things he's been saying about vaccines and Fauci and COVID uh, in uh, this relationship between AIDS and HIV and all of these other issues. But the most compelling issue, and I have insisted this from the beginning, 
Uh, and of course, I wrote a piece for VT Foreign Policy on this subject. The big issue in this campaign is what it was in 1968 when his father was so tragically murdered, and that's the war. In 1968, it was the Vietnam War, and obviously today we are talking about a far more dangerous situation in terms of this Russian-Ukrainian war because of the very real threat that people like Victoria Kagan and Lindsey Graham and so forth and so on will literally get us into a third world war. Uh, Kennedy needs to, he said a lot of good things, including a, uh, a piece I saw yesterday, a bit of uh, videotape of him speaking to the Iowa State Fair people, all these folks that have come out from rural Iowa to see him. Uh, he said a lot of good things, I think, about food production, a lot of good things about the economy. But uh, the segment that I watched uh, was a, a good segment on his emphasis on the fact that Ukrainians, he emphasized this, Ukrainians are dying in disproportionate numbers simply because these American neocons want to conduct and are attempting to conduct a surrogate war with Putin's Russia that need not be going on. Uh, I think he's he's right about that, but uh, that, that particular... Uh, issue needs to be front and center to the, uh, I won't say to the exclusion of, but in, in preference to all the other things he might be talking about. The war to me is the big issue, and uh, Kennedy needs to to become uh, what his father was in 1968 after Eugene McCarthy finished off Lyndon Johnson in New Hampshire, uh, and that is uh, this Kennedy, like his late father, must be the anti-war candidate. He must say, hey, with all of the other things that I'm going to talk about in this campaign, none of that matters one whit if we get into a third world war that goes nuclear. That's where he really uh, must emphasize his issue. Yeah. Now, the other thing, which is an even bigger mistake on his part, is the extent to which he has been towing the Zionist line. Now, some of his uh, supporters have told me in off-the-record conversations that, well, you know, this is all tactical, we believe, on his part. He knows that if he says a lot of the things that Mark Dankoff would say in a campaign, uh, that it would kill him. No. <laughs> Right. No, I understand that, even though I would have more fun than, than Kennedy in, in insulting right. all the right people. But the, the right. point, I understand that. I get that. But this seems to me to have gone beyond uh, uh, a, a realistic, tactical understanding of what he has to do, especially in Democratic primaries. I get that. Uh, he doesn't need to go out of his way to uh, start an open war with the Zionist lobby. That would be fatal. But nonetheless, he has gone overboard on this. Uh, these uh, appearances he's made with this uh, Rabbi Shmuley Botich, uh, who I won't say anything more about him except to say that he, he is a rabid Zionist uh, who, in my opinion, and in yours, Johnny, I think has a complete misunderstanding of this Israeli-Palestinian conflict and has a complete misunderstanding, uh, perhaps a deliberate one, on what Israel's real record is on human rights. And the other thing, of course, in Kennedy's case, uh, does, does he even suspect when he talks about the CIA assassinating his uncle and his father, and certainly the CIA played a role in both uh, in both of those murders, in my view. Uh, but the ultimate power 
uh, in both of those murders, in my judgment, echoing Michael Collins Piper in Final Judgment, my old late friend, and also talking about uh, this this other fellow uh, who uh, writes, uh, you know, for the Unts Review with uh, with some uh, consistency, whose name suddenly escapes me. That the the Zionist element and the issue of Demona. Uh, in the issue of the Federal Reserve Board, in the issue of both John Kennedy and Robert Kennedy trying to get the then American Zionist Council uh, to fall under the purview uh, of the Foreign Agents Registration Act. All of these things uh, played uh, a major, major role, as Piper uh, would argue this, uh, in uh, what happened to the Kennedy brothers. Uh, And I don't know uh, to what extent uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has seen some of this research, whether in his heart he knows that this stuff is true or not. Uh, But certainly uh, he has gone, uh, in my opinion, in my way of thinking, into an excessive pandering uh, to some of the worst elements in the Zionist lobby uh, approaching uh, uh, approaching the, the 2024 primaries. In terms of his anti-war stance overall, in terms of his uh, critic, uh, appropriately critical uh, remarks about the deep state and the military-industrial complex and the obscene budgets uh, that these people uh, continue to get routinely uh, from the Congress uh, and from uh, and, and from presidents, uh, all of whom give these these folks more money each year than the previous year. Kennedy's absolutely on target on that, uh, and yet I have to agree with what Eric Zwessa had to say in Southfront, and that is that uh, uh, RFK Jr.'s uh, stated position uh, on the Zionist question and his appearances with this guy Boteach are hurting his credibility on the issue where he he can score the most points, and that is on war and military-industrial complex and the threat of a wider war uh, that at this point, uh, as you know and I know, is not simply a question of, uh, of, of Putin versus Zelensky in Ukraine, uh, but look at all the things that are now ratcheting up in the Middle East. Uh, Iran claims to have developed a hypersonic missile. Uh, Iran has had several terrorist incidents recently that clearly have been uh, 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 brought in to them from the outside. Uh, one is this uh, Shah Jarrah uh, uh, mosque in, 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 in Shiraz, uh, where a gunman opened fire and killed some people. There have also been several incidents in Balochistan, uh, which has always been a, a point of uh, terrorist activity in southeast Iran, uh, involving uh, usually these uh, radical uh, uh, Sunni groups uh, that are thought to have links to the same kinds of people that have been supporting these uh, these terrorist elements attempting to overthrow the Assad regime in Syria. So uh, Iran is uh, getting closer and closer in their economic and political uh, and military relationship to both uh, Russia and China. Uh, and then, of course, you have a circumstance where Israel, uh, with what they continue doing to the Palestinians 
the absolutely neo-fascist character of this uh, of this Netanyahu regime, uh, which has uh, surfaced now with this so-called judicial reform, uh, which is designed, uh, obviously, to give Netanyahu and his boys uh, a blank check when it comes to any curbs whatsoever on their activities coming from uh, Israel's judicial branch of government. There's uh, all kinds of daily domestic uh, insurrection going on uh, against the Netanyahu regime on the part of Jews that don't agree with what he's doing. And then, of course, when we throw into it uh, these ongoing atrocities going on in the West Bank and in Gaza, and the fact that uh, it seems that no matter what this guy does or what, uh, or what Israel does ever, uh, the United States uh, predictably continues to try to come up with uh, some uh, vague language about supporting a two-state solution at the same time that the United States is routinely bankrolling Israel's ongoing land theft uh, in Palestine and in the occupied territories. And then, of course, these most uh, recent Israeli activities, warlike activities, uh, including uh, this last bombing of Damascus and Syria, and, and what is clearly uh, Israel's ongoing involvement uh, in these criminal activities uh, that involve uh, shooting up South Lebanon uh, and, and attempts to uh, in, engage Hezbollah militarily. Uh, this, is, uh, this is another tinderbox that's waiting to blow. It's so, a powder uh, keg, my friend. It's a freaking powder it's, keg. It's an absolute powder keg. And again, the American public does not seem to get it. Now, my old friend Mark Weber at the IHR, I watched a, a discussion he had on YouTube two years ago. I just, just watched it this weekend uh, with a libertarian named Kevin Wright, I believe. And uh, Mark uh, was going into a great deal of detail uh, about the this whole issue uh, of control of discourse, uh, control of narrative, uh, historical ignorance. He covered many things amazingly in under two hours dealing with uh, World War One and dealing with the Versailles Treaty dealing with World War II uh, and all kinds of events there, including Pearl Harbor, as well as Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mark went into a lot of things uh, dealing with Israel, uh, the, the, the truth about the founding of the state of Israel that obviously uh, has not earned him any friends in international circles. And then uh, he talked about the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution uh, and Lyndon Johnson and the USS Liberty attack of June 8th, 1967. In all of these, uh, the American public has seemed to be very comatose about the amount of money that we have been giving uh, to people who are not only very good at committing acts of terrorism and stealing other people's property in Palestine, but who from time to time have been involved in incredible actions against the government and the people of the United States. And this, this to me, uh, provides uh, the most excellent example, uh, it would seem, other than the current problem with uh, Zelensky in Ukraine, of the incredible corruption uh, that is that is absolutely uh, uh, epidemic in the in American institutions generally, and the American government specifically, and I think RFK Jr. is uh, entirely correct. The assassination of his uncle in Dealey Plaza in Dallas in 1963, the assassination of his father in the Ambassador Hotel uh, in Los Angeles uh, in early June of 1968. Uh, it would seem that since those murders. 
the uh, the entire character of the American government and levels of corruption, uh, a, a an electorate that is either cynical or uninformed or both, uh, and and what I would argue, due to recent Supreme Court cases on campaign finance, has ensured that the same bums that have largely hijacked uh, uh, buying elections in this country have even more money to play around with legally than they've ever had. Right. And that's my point, Mark, is that the average American on the right and the average American on the left generally agree that they know that their government's corrupt. They know that the big money's influencing and they know they have no power, but they have bought into, and I'm not blaming either side, to the idea that the other guy's the enemy, when in fact the real enemy are the super elites and the people that control the resources. And I'm talking about the Zionists. I'm talking about the Zionists in Saudi Arabia, the you know, yes. or, or Qataris that are just completely investing uh, in in all this destruction, this corruption. They're the ones buying up all the congressmen. The congressmen, I see them as uh, pawns. They're they're doing their best. They probably go in there. Some of them go in there wide eyed. Hey, look at me! I'm going to change the world. And the minute they get in there, they get told, uh uh-uh. uh. You know, if you don't take the money, you're out of here. So exactly. then you get caught up in all this bullshit of all this division. Well, the left guy's a bad guy and the right guy's the bad guy. And this guy, when all the whole time, what's really happening is huge amounts of money is buying them all up and forcing them into this terrible situation. Now, this is not just for Congress. This is the president of the United States. This is the, the whole Supreme Court. You know, they're talking about Clarence Thomas and the Alito guy. But I want to investigate all of them. I bet you all of them are taking money from billionaires. And so the, the, exactly. the public is not – the democracy has been usurped uh, completely. Uh, the average American person only gets represent, representation in their local communities. Still at, at the local level with council people, uh, let's say in your, your town, for example, you can influence the, the democracy there. But at the federal level, it's completely gone. It's, it's, a, it's a masquerade. And it's – and the media, the mainstream media, whether it's Fox News or MSNBC, you know, they're telling their people, no, blah, 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 they, this other guy. It's all bullshit, dude. The whole truth is corruption with big, big money, the oil money, the Zionist money. Those people are buying it all, and they get to get to choose whatever they want to. And so today it's Biden. Yesterday it was Trump. Last week it was Obama. Before that – I'd argue that this has been going on a long time, but the American people seem to think that the other guy is the enemy. And I don't think the American neighbor is the enemy at all. It's a false dialectic that's being deliberately perpetrated, and it drives me crazy as much as it drives you crazy, Johnny, to see this sort of thing that is basically taking uh, Americans across the board from a real focus on the real problem. Let me give you a classic example of this. Uh, and in the 1970s, when I was a college student in the greater Chicago area, uh, area every summer and every Christmas, I would uh, take off and I would fly to Tehran, Iran, where my father at that time was a retired American Air Force Colonel. He retired from active duty right after the Vietnam War, immediately went to uh, Iran 50 years ago, uh, right about this time, uh, to serve as a logistical advisor to the Shah of Iran's Air Force. Uh, It was at that time that this uh, group called the MEK, MKO, 
the Mujahideen e Kalk, the People's Holy Warriors uh, in English, uh, was engaging in a series of acts of terrorism and murder against American citizens in that country and against members of the Iranian government. Uh, there was a, uh, a uh, Colonel Lewis Hawkins, a uh, United States Army colonel, uh, who was uh, had some sort of an attachment, I believe, to the American embassy, uh, who, who was murdered by these people in 1973. Uh, and then in May of 1975, I had been back in Iran uh, for just a very short period of time, and uh, a heinous assassination transpired. Uh, were two active duty American Air Force colonels. Uh, there was a Colonel Paul Schaefer uh, and a Lieutenant Colonel Jack Turner. Both of these were Air Force officers, I believe, had both come from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, they were assassinated gangland style uh, by this Mujahideen e Kalk, uh, where they were simply mowed down. I know someone here in San Antonio who uh, was in the uh, U.S. Army medical business who told me all these many years later that there were something like 500 bullets that went through both of these men. And then, of course, in 1976, uh, there were some employees of the American Rockwell International Corporation uh, who were also murdered by the MEK. Now, the uh, in my particular case, there's a, a, a personal dimension to this, as it were. Uh, when my father was promoted to being the overall head of the Lockheed Corporation's so-called Peace Log or Peace Logistics Program, it was at that point the largest contract that any of these American uh, armaments uh, and, and uh, defense industry people had with the Iranian government in terms of the money involved in it. Uh, it uh, became known to the uh, American intelligence community, which was over there was pretty good because the then uh, American ambassador to Iran was our old friend Richard Helms of the of the Central Intelligence Agency. Uh, it was uh, known that my father had suddenly popped up as the uh, next uh, coming victim of these people. Uh, so Lockheed got him out of the country. Uh, got him here to uh, San Antonio, where he worked two more years on that before the Islamic Revolution transpired. Why do I go into that kind of history? Well, if you study the MEK-MKO since the Islamic Revolution in Iran, uh, you discover that these people set up shop, and uh, after uh, being booted out of Iran uh, in the so-called red and black uh, a coalition that uh, uh, overthrew the Pahlavi regime, uh, the black portion of that coalition, the mullahs, uh, didn't want these so-called uh, 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 this 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 Marxist Islamic cult group, which is what they are. They didn't want them hanging around any further, especially uh, when uh, they perceived that these people were going to try and turn all their weapons on them. So they booted them out. Uh, the MEK MKO changed sides then and began working for the United States uh, and for Saudi and for Saddam Hussein when both were allies in uh, in launching the Iran-Iraq war for eight years, a horrid, sordid chapter uh, that was then followed by a circumstance where over a period of years, the, uh, the Mujahideen Kalk began engaging in acts of terrorism. Uh, they, they murdered... Uh, I believe, a speaker of the parliament uh, in the very early 1980s. Overall, they have uh, been generally been credited with killing 17,000 Iranians via acts of terrorism in more recent years. 
Newsweek magazine of all sort uh, of all of all people uh, covertly and tongue in cheek virtually admitted that the MEK MKO organization was what the United States and Israel used in the assassinations of these Iranian nuclear scientists. This is clearly a terrorist organization. These are dangerous people. Uh, if you talk to people who were in it and who got out of it, uh, including a couple of people at a very high level of the MEK, uh, Anne and, and uh, Masoud Kodabanda, who are I'm acquainted with, I believe they live in London now, this was a religious cult as well that took over uh, the, li- uh, the personal lives of their members uh, and, and uh, imposed things on them, somewhat reminiscent of what you might imagine uh, would have been the level of mind control going on with Jim Jones at Jones town. Well, these folks subsequently set up shop in Albania and became a major source of trolling uh, that was being uh, sanctioned by both the CIA and the Israeli Mossad, computer trolling uh, 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 against the present regime in Iran. Uh, And lo and behold, a few years ago, when uh, Hillary Clinton was the Secretary of State, there was suddenly a move to uh, take these people off the State Department's terrorist list. Uh, there were people in both political parties that supported this move. Uh, the New York Times ran a series of stories on this issue, uh, and it was eventually accomplished. But the New York Times, to its credit, pr- uh, published the amount of money that the, the M- MEK, MKO uh, had bequeathed to all kinds of big-name uh, American politicians, uh, ranging from uh, uh, Rudolph Giuliani and John Cornyn here in Texas uh, to many other names that uh, you would instantly recognize. And uh, there's not a doubt in my mind uh, that the ultimate source of this money uh, coming from the MEK was being laundered through the MEK uh, by uh, uh, sources that undoubtedly uh, had connections both to uh, the United States intelligence community uh, and and to Jewish organizations and to the Israeli intelligence community and Saudi Arabia. There you go. So in this in this case, you, uh, you have a blatant terrorist organization, a quasi uh, Marxist religious cult, kind of this weird cultic synthesis of Marxism and Islam uh, that had a proven track record of blood all through the 1960s when its uh, primary identification was as a Marxist organization that was uh, dedicated to the overthrow of Shah Mohammad Reza Pahlavi that murdered all of these uh, American citizens whose names I have mentioned here, just a few of them. And they're all this time later. Uh, they're not. They're not terrorists anymore. The American government and the Israelis like these people. The latest is that the Albanians finally figured out what they were in the middle of, booted the MEK out of out of uh, Tirana recently. And uh, where is their next stop? Well, I guess their new home is going to be in Trudeau's Canada. That's uh, that's that's a comforting thought. And, of course, uh, I've written one article for VT Foreign Policy uh, on a lady who was married to, uh, to an American political science professor from Georgetown University with major links to the CIA, to the Israeli Mossad, uh, and to the Iran Policy Committee, uh, which was basically a front uh, in my view, for not only the CIA, but the, the Israeli intelligence community 
and the MEK MKO. This Dr. Raymond Tanter was very, very close to uh, uh, Madame Rajavi, the head of the of the MEK MKO, and uh, there's some question as to uh, what may have been done to uh, to Tanner's ex-wife, who has returned to a different name uh, in a divorce settlement that may have been forced upon her literally at gunpoint. Uh, that's that's going to be in the courts in the not too distant future. Mark, here's what I want to say about all of this, because we have a tremendous amount of corruption going on between the oil money, the Zionist money, um, it's the financial backers, the, the, the bankers' money. We have victims in Iran, victims in Iraq, millions of people dead. Here we are in Yemen. We don't even talk about Yemen anymore. Yemen's a humanitarian crisis, a catastrophe. Yes. Millions are starving because American so, so Saudi can sell all more freaking yeah. oil because they don't want to. They want to get into it with Iran and the Straits of Hormuz, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Exactly. Um, but of course, the Palestinians are victims. And but here, here's here's here. I want to say this: the American people are victims. The right exactly. and the left. They're both been victimized by the media, by by the corporations, by the big money, and the average American doesn't even seem to understand that they're the victims. Because I have a friend. He's a good guy. He's a normal guy, you know. And he, he calls me the most ugly names because I don't agree with his right-wing extremist policies. Um, and he calls me these ugly names. I'm like, Where, where's that coming from? I've known you for 30, 40 years, and all of a sudden I'm this bad guy, this horrible enemy of yours. I'm like, you don't understand, my friend. You're a victim because we're friends. We're brothers. We're, we're neighbors. We're, we're not enemies. We may disagree. Okay, I, I like a... You know, I like a you know, warm day, he likes a colder day or something. Okay, fair enough. But we both agree that we both want good jobs and we both want good schools for our kids. We both agree that we want to be fair and honest. And we both agree that we want good laws, that we don't want criminals on our streets, that we don't want uh, drug dealers running around selling our kids drugs. I mean, there's so many things we agree on, and but yet we can't have a conversation because we've been divided by this evil media that has chosen to shine a light on all these politicians that are encouraging us to be divided. And it's really because of their big money talking. The more that we're divided, the, the more they can control. And um, yeah, I, I, so I want to I want to name the American people as a whole as victims, just like the Iraqis are victims, like the Iranians were victims, like the Palestinians are victims. We're all victims in this. And who's, who's making money? Who's actually benefiting? That's what I want to know. Who's benefiting, Mark? Well, obviously, the, the Israelis are benefiting. These Israeli PACs are benefiting. Uh, domestic groups like the ADL and the Southern Poverty military Law Military-industrial complex? The military-industrial complex, for sure. As a matter of fact, yeah. uh, the uh, I think the most current figures on uh, profits for the military American military-industrial complex uh, I'm going to say now. Uh, hold me to this. I might be might be wrong in terms of the. I think this is just since the beginning of the Russian-Ukrainian war. No, that that I believe to be the case. I could be wrong, but the figure of 400 billion in profits came up uh, that I believe involved these last 18 months. Uh, you know, where you're looking at Lockheed or Raytheon that's now uh, operating under a different name, I understand, uh, or whether you're looking at uh, Northrop or any of these other 
companies, uh, that's a tremendous profit line. And obviously, between the profit line for these uh, American military-industrial complex people and the fact that uh, the latest figure that I have come across uh, in, uh, in aid to Zelensky coming principally from the United States is, what, $100 billion dollars? Some, some obscene figure like this. I know that one package alone involves $63 billion. So when you start talking about those types of numbers, and this is where we get back to Kennedy again, uh, Kennedy is saying the right things in regard to what's happening to our own uh, 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 the internal corruption politically, uh, what's happened to our physical infrastructure, the crisis in our schools, uh, all of these different things. Uh, uh, he, he is referenced and he is correct on those. But, you know, when I watched his foreign policy address up in Concord some weeks ago, uh, and it was very well done, and uh, a lot of the uh, special effects that went into it before he, uh, before he himself came out to speak involved his voice with different shots of the past, uh, including these uh, things I remember so vividly from after his dad was murdered in Los Angeles uh, and the body was brought back uh, to the East Coast on the train uh, to see this train going by. I think it was going by this uh, really decrepit area uh, between Baltimore and Washington. And there you saw all of these average people some people extremely impoverished, a lot of impoverished kids, and they're all standing out there to give a final salute to someone that they thought was representing them, uh, and I believe was representing them in, in many, many ways. And I believe he, I disagree with my friend Pat Buchanan on this. I believe that Robert F. Kennedy would have defeated Richard Nixon in the fall of 1968 had he lived. We'll never know, of course. But here we are all these years later, and Kennedy has such a unique opportunity uh, when it pertains to the issue of global war and the military-industrial complex to be the only candidate, uh, satisfactory candidate running in this race, and yet his ongoing complete misunderstanding gross misunderstanding on the history of the Israeli state and the history of their machinations, not simply in Palestine, uh, but crimes that they have committed over many years against the people of this country, against the government of this country. You know, we, uh, you know, talk about the uh, Levon affair. Uh, you talk about the uh, the Kennedy assassination, certainly. You talk about the, the whole issue of the attack on the USS Liberty in June of 1967. You talk about 9-11 and the fact that I have never apologized for believing that Israel was the driving force in what happened there. Uh, and that, of course, is ancient history in regard to that having been published. You look at the Pollard and Bonami and promi spy cases clearly directed against the people and government of this country. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you start uh, looking at the, at these uh, more recent uh, things involving all of these discretionary Middle Eastern wars. Israel, in my view, has been the driving force behind the American involvement uh, in these ill-fated invasions of Iraq, this ill-fated invasion of Afghanistan, these gross uh, American acts of criminality with some NATO assistance in Libya, uh, in Assad's Syria, uh, the criminal activities that Israel continues engaging in in Syria and in southern Lebanon. Uh, the list just goes on and on. And, and again, Mr. Kennedy, I am hopeful that some of his people 
uh, can can reach him on this subject because it is it is such an Achilles heel, an Achilles heel that has largely been created by himself in this instance. If he were to have a better understanding of of uh, where the direction we need to be going in on this Palestinian issue. We can't undo the many decades of wrongdoing and disenfranchise and disenfranchisement of innocent people and all the killing and all of the wars, the assassinations and the coup d'etats. But we've got to start somewhere. Uh, and I are, have always argued that uh, supporting them domestically, and Mark Weber talked about this in his IHR video I made reference to with uh, Keith Wright that I went through a night or two ago, I mean, uh, you know, you look at this, the the uh, the fact that all of the State Department people uh, during the Truman administration, uh, including George Marshall, were urging Truman not to recognize the state of Israel. They had the farsightedness to see where this was going to lead. Israel may have been involved, by the way, uh, in the death of James Forrestal in a way that has not been reported before. David Martin's book, The Assassination of James Forrestal, is well worth our our viewers uh, uh, reading because it gets into this whole issue of Israel's probable role in that. David Martin makes a strong case for it. But uh, 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 Mark Weber uh, quoted Harry Truman, I believe, as saying to George Marshall, hey, you know, how many Arab voters are there out there in this country? How many Jewish voters are out there in this country? You can figure out what my own self-interest is in this, he was saying by implication at least. It's like, uh, you know, uh, I, I've got to, uh, if I'm going to cover my own basis politically, I'm going to do what uh, what the American domestic scene dictates to me that I do in terms of my own survivability as a president of the United States, and I'm going to recognize Israel. And you think of that in terms of the hideous implications of, of what uh, Truman did. Uh, we won't get into Hiroshima and Nagasaki yep. today. Mark Weber covers that on his IHR site in a lengthy essay that I would commend to people. But uh, just in terms of this issue of uh, recognizing the Zionist state of Israel, what good has come to the United States since 1948 and these actions of Harry Truman and all the inside machinations that went on at the UN to make this appear to be a, a, a general act of the United Nations uh, when it was more an act of Harry Truman in reality and the Jewish lobby in this country working on Harry Truman right. successfully right. Uh, and, and uh, where that is, it was just the beginning uh, of what we're now talking about in the year 2023, decades of this going on. And here we are now on the ver verge of a third world war with the most corrupt government, arguably the most corrupt systemic uh, uh, American institutional scene in both the Republican and the Democratic parties than we've had at any time uh, in my lifetime. And ironically enough, we're talking about what I believe to be RFK's gross misunderstanding of this Israeli-Palestinian issue. Uh, and yet he, more than anyone else, should really know uh, who was behind what happened to his dad and what happened to uh, his uncle now 60 years ago. Right. Let me ask you a question, Mark. Obviously, based on corruption, the U.S. system is completely corrupted uh, by the money. Are we ever going to have a solution? I mean, you can elect 
Biden, you can elect Trump, you can elect any other guy if you want to. Is that really going to change anything? You're asking an excellent question. Uh, uh, it, you know, let's let's look at Trump and Biden. Yeah, we uh, we have a lot of very bad things that are legitimate things to say about Joe Biden and uh, and Hunter Biden. Certainly, uh, we we look uh, at Donald Trump, who has been telling a lot of people uh, for these last several years, "Well, see, if I had been reelected, uh, we wouldn't be in this mess." And yet, it was Donald Trump who uh, made sure that John Bolton and Mike Pompeo and Nikki Haley uh, were. Uh, were uh, significant members of his own foreign policy team. It was Donald Trump who engaged in the outrageous commissioning, the illegal commissioning of the Soleimani assassination, uh, which has earned uh, the United States the eternal enmity of the Iranian people, uh, quite understandably so. Uh, When you start looking at uh, all of the pro-Zionist statements coming out of Donald Trump, uh, this... uh, Pro-Zionist? I I couldn't hear him because his head was so far up Netanyahu's and Zionism's ass, I couldn't hear what he said. Well, exactly. And, and, And so on this most crucial, central issue, Trump and Biden are two sides, I argue, of the same counterfeit coin. Then we have an attractive outsider... You can say an outsider. Uh, the name Kennedy is, doesn't exactly sound like an outsider's name, but uh, he, he is in terms of the way he's presently been uh, dealt with by the news media. Uh, but uh, RFK, uh, I watched this appearance he made with this uh, uh, Rabbi Shmuley Botich, the different things that have appeared in the Israeli media uh, on, uh, on, on RFK's uh, discussions on the Zionist state, all of which they like, by the way. Uh, but uh, uh, RFK, uh, again, that is really hurting him in terms of what I think would be a far more energized electorate uh, on his behalf uh, if he uh, uh, were not perceived as being that deeply involved uh, with the same elements that you and I would argue have made a mess of this country's political system and its foreign policy for decades. So it's uh, there are those who uh, that have talked to me, uh, you know, and I've discussed the Kennedy matter on the Republic Broadcasting Network, and they've said to me, you know, I, I would contemplate voting for him, but, you know, this whole st- stuff that he keeps saying uh, on the Zionist Israeli issue and this guy Botich and everything else, I've concluded that they, they tell me these various people will say, I've concluded that it's hopeless that uh, whatever we end up with in 2024 is just going to be more of the same. And this gets back to a most dangerous, dangerous situation. And that is that uh, when a vast percentage of the public believes that it doesn't matter, that there's nothing that they can do, that the level of, of corruption is simply beyond anything that can be addressed, uh, this... Uh, you know, this in conjunction with a bought and controlled mainstream news media uh, would suggest that uh, that hope uh, has been lost by many, many, many people. And, and when, when hope is lost, what is there? Uh, you know, I know people, uh, I'm one of them that have contemplated leaving the United States, uh, depending on what may happen in 2024, whether or not by that time it'll even be possible for me to get out of the country. 
this is from a guy who's uh, kind of my roots are in the rural Midwest. Uh, my father was a cold warrior uh, uh, in, in the old days, an Air Force colonel uh, in the best sense of the word, I think a patriot. Uh, and, and here I am thinking, you know, maybe uh, maybe I'm not welcome in America anymore. Uh, maybe all of these woke elements and globalist elements and, and, and warmongers and both of the political parties, uh, maybe this thing has gone so far that the only thing I can do is leave. Then when a person like me starts thinking about that as a possibility, I think that tells you how late the hour is. Right. Let, let me say this to the American people who are listening out there. Um you, you can you can affect your local city councils for sure. I know that for sure. You just can go down there and have a meeting and start vocaling your opinions, and, and I think you'll be heard. At the federal level, obviously, it's not working. But here's the thing. you me, I, get, I get the feeling you want to leave. I totally get that. But what has to happen is we have to find a way to get the system changed by laws. Now, to get Congress to do that, you know, they're not going to do it to spite their face. I mean, they're the ones making all the money, right? They're the ones getting wealthy, not the average American people. So was, there's got to be a way where we can reform the government, reorganize it, rework it, so that we, all this big money doesn't come into the situation. Like, for example, pre-Carter, uh, there was campaign finance laws, right? They, there was, you would, to be, a, a, if I remember correctly, you'd have to get federal funding to, to run for office. So everybody had equal amounts of money. Was that true, Mark? I don't know if uh, equals uh, sums of money, but at least uh, this this whole business of federal matching funds to a certain point uh, played a role in it. I, I I don't know the specifics of the campaign laws that far back, uh, but if Richard right. Winger is still around, the editor of Third Party News, uh, if if Richard is uh, still uh, still with us, still uh, uh, working in the endeavors that he has for many years, he probably would know the specifics on that. Right. Well, my point is there has to be some sort of way where this out of control money thing where you need a billion dollars to become president. So you're begging everybody for five dollars while taking a hundred billion from the Saudis and the Chinese and who knows who else, you know, yes. um, it's got to stop. I mean, we can't have Supreme Court justices being bribed by billionaires. It's got to stop, period. We have to return to duty first. For example, if you're going to be a congressman, you get one term only. That's it. You serve, you leave. You're going to be a senator, you serve, you leave. It's not a 40-year career. It's not It's not where you go to get rich. But right now, getting a government job is where you go to get rich. And to be an entrepreneur is where you go to get poor. And that's yes. the opposite of what America should be. So, exactly. And a president should only serve one term. Right now, Biden or Trump, whoever gets in office or this or that, is going to put their hand out the next day for campaign financing for the next five years or whatever. That's not how it works here in Mexico. In Mexico, where I'm at, the president runs for three months, and then he gets elected, and the next day he goes to do his job because he can't he can't run again. So there's new, there's no re-election campaign. So there's no need to go out there and you know panhandle for money on you know busking for money on the street. You don't have to do that. And that's what America needs to go back to, where a democracy where you serve your country, your country does not serve you. And exactly. I think it's an yes. I think term limitations, uh, complete overhaul of campaign finance law, and the other is to make it possible for credible third parties to run. You know, when I was a Constitution Absolutely. Party uh, candidate for the U.S. Senate in Delaware against Roth and Carper. Uh, that was what two that was 23 years ago. 
uh, you know, I learned a great deal about campaign finance and who was bankrolling both of the major political party candidates at that time and the sectors of our economy that were hedging their bets between the Democratic and Republican uh, candidates running that year. Uh, but then you start getting into questions of uh, what hampers third parties. Well, their uh, campaign or third party ballot access laws virtually guarantee that it's impossible for a third party to get off the ground to be able to run in a presidential year in enough states to even be credible. And if they manage to do that, they have spent so much of the of what little money they have, because they're not getting corporate financing, obviously, that they have virtually no money to campaign on. And then the the, the last but not least uh, question is the one of, uh, of corporate news media. Uh, corporate news media is not going to fund third-party candidates for obvious reasons. They, they own the Republican and Democratic parties. The Zionist lobby owns the Republican and Democratic parties in this country for the most part, with just a, a sheer handful of exceptions. And uh, this, this is where we are, and the, the present system is just going to give us more of the same. No doubt. Absolutely. No doubt. On that note, Mark, I, I want to ask you, Mark, we'll leave it on that note to tell me what you're doing this week and, and tell our viewers uh, at VT here and, and around the world what's happening with you, how to reach you, how to support what you're doing. Well, you can always reach me at, uh, at Mark Dankoff's Catacomb, uh, which is on WordPress. You can always reach me some way through the Republic Broadcasting Network north of Austin in Round Rock, Texas. Uh, my most recent article for VT Foreign Policy, which is coming up on about not quite at 3,000 hits yet after three days. Uh, my piece on Victoria Newland and the project for the new American Century crowd uh, and the whole issue of the what, what I am convinced in all likelihood is going to be the sad deaths of untold numbers of young Americans if we cannot stop the slide to war. Uh, it's a very thought-provoking article. covers a lot of the same things that Eric Stryker's talking about at Unt's review uh, in the last day or so. Uh, and then, of course, I'm still occasionally popping up in uh, in, uh, in on Sputnik every once in a great while, uh, and every once in a great while still on press television in Iran, although not recently. But uh, RBN is a great way to reach me. Uh, my own website, Mark Dankoff's Catacomb, is a great way to reach me. And, of course, I have my social media account where you can find me on VContacta. Absolutely. Now, on that note, I also want to say to our VT viewers out there, hey, VT viewers, uh, support what we're doing. Become a member of VT. Buymeacupofcoffee.com. It's on our website. Just go down to any article on the right side and click on become a member. $8 a month. Really helps us out a lot. Obviously, we're not sponsored by the corporate mainstream ad, ad network. So any uh, way you can support us is a huge help to us and pays for Riverside.fm here is what we use for our podcasting. And, of course, Buzzsprout, we have to pay all those fees. So I'd appreciate it if you can support us or make a, a one-time donation. That would work out great. And on that note, Mark, I'm going to leave it light for you right now. Uh, I don't want you to leave the United States yet. So tell me, what's your prediction for the upcoming NFL season? Uh, my prediction for the for the upcoming NFL season uh, is that you won't see Dan Snyder anywhere near it. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
Yeah. Maybe they shipped it to Ukraine. I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, the, I think Dan Snyder would would fit perfectly in a Zelensky administration, both in both in terms of certain uh, uh, tribal affiliations, as well as the fact that if uh, Dan went to uh, handle uh, Zelensky's circumstance in Kiev, uh, he probably would uh, take the whole thing down the tube in three months, and then we'd have a Russian victory, which is at least what I want <laughs> to see happen over the new world there order and over Dan. Snyder. (laughs) And and what about your friend Jerry Jones in your neighborhood? How's he doing over there? Well, as far as I know, he's doing all right. You know, you were telling me about uh, this uh, five foot, uh, 580 pound uh, running back that's uh, doing quite well in the Cowboys training camp right now. Uh, I got to start getting up to speed on uh, what's happening in the NFL in the next couple of weeks. I've been encumbered because of my mother's status in hospice, but uh, I've got to start getting uh, more into this uh, upcoming situation with the NFL uh, so that we can do a Super Bowl show uh, this coming January and, and, and potentially cause uh, people that like us to win money and the people that don't like us to lose money. I, I hope I can get George Soros to bet a lot of uh, a lot of his money in a losing cause, but uh, that that's wishful thinking, I believe. <laughs> he probably knows he's going <laughs> to win. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And that, Mark, Mark I'll, I'll let you go. I want to thank you for being on VT Radio. Outstanding show today. If you enjoyed this presentation, hit the like button now. Also, Share it with your friends. And don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. VT approves this message.